Good morning, everyone. Uh, I don't know if you all realized, but we have a celebrity in our presence. <laughs> uh, our elder emeritus, Greg Robertson, has returned from his uh, journey from Arnold, and he is here gracing us with his presence. Let us all give homage to Greg. <laughs> I just, I just want, yeah, yeah, you have to turn, make sure you're waving to everyone, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can put your gifts in the back corner, and <laughs> just kidding. No, it's really good to see you, Greg. Um, okay, so we're going to start with a question, and I want you guys to turn to your neighbors and share this with them. And then I'm going to ask you what you've talked about. I want you to ask this question to one another. What is the weirdest part about prayer in your mind? Okay? Like the practice of prayer. What's the weirdest part about it? Okay? Does that kind of make sense as a question? You guys kind of get what I'm saying? Okay, ready, set, go. A few minutes to talk about it, and then we'll come bring it back. All right, we're winding up, or winding down. Okay, so I'd like to hear some of the answers people shared. And you can keep it anonymous. What do we think? So you could be like, the person I was talking to said this. If you want to cover up, you know, like you don't want to share. What do we think? What are some of the strange parts about prayer? I heard timing. Timing? What do you mean by that? Like authentic or, yeah. So there's the sense of like ritual surrounding it. Yeah. What else? It feels one way. It feels one way. Yeah. Anyone else? I think I heard some answers kind of that were related to that one wayness. What, what, what did you, you guys say over here? Talking to yourself? It feels like talking to yourself? Or it sounds like? Yeah. What else? Those are pretty interesting. Those are pretty good. So uh, whenever we introduce Christian practices, uh, what's really interesting is, like, if you uh, pretend for a second that you've, you haven't really grown up in church, and you're just coming into a setting where people, everyone closes their eyes, bows their head, maybe you put your hands together, and then you start talking, you're just like, what is going on? It's very strange. And then the idea that you would, uh, like Jesus did, Dan talked about this last week, the idea that you would go away from your busy life to a secluded place and spend time praying is even more bizarre, right? So, so here's a question I want you guys to think about. Did you ever think, what did Jesus pray about? I have a question. So, all right, uh, th there are all of these famous Christians, like John Wesley and like these historical figures, Martin Luther, and in all of the books you read about them, they talk about how Martin Luther was so busy that he insisted that he had to pray for four hours so that he could get through the day. You get me? That's really interesting, right? Because like Dan was saying last time, Jesus was so, uh, he had so much going on 
He was casting out demons. He was doing miracles. He was doing all of these things. And so he felt the need to restore his soul, to pray to God. And that was something that actually restored him and he enjoyed doing and wanted to do and prioritized. And then for people like Martin, it's like, what do you talk about for four hours? Now, this demonstrates to us If you're thinking, it doesn't make any sense that I would talk to God for four hours, this demonstrates that your understanding of prayer has been informed by your church, by your pastor, by the practice of prayer without really understanding what prayer is, um, why we pray. And then, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to try to look at what Jesus taught his disciples about prayer. Jesus prayed, and his disciples asked him this question, like, what, how, how do we pray? Like, can you teach us to pray? And then Jesus responded with these famous words. So um, this is from Luke chapter 11, and this is probably the less famous version of what people normally call the Lord's Prayer. And in this passage, we see something really interesting. So we're going to read this, and I'm, it's a very short passage. And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time reading it, we're we're going to spend some time inhabiting the mindset of the disciples, and then we're just going to unpack the prayer, and we're going to see some main things, hopefully I'll get to them, we're going to see uh, who you are praying to is more important than how you pray, who you are praying to is more important than how you pray, There there is a template that you can follow for how to pray, but the, who you are praying to is far more important than how you pray. And then we're just going to unpack this prayer and see how this applies to us, the implications, how you can put this into practice, okay? Um, so this is Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So I'm going to read that prayer one more time, and actually, if you want, you can read along with me, okay? Ready, set, go. Father, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day. Okay, I'll read it then. Fine, I'll read it by myself. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So I was reading from the ESV, I should have told you that. Um, this is a prayer. This, this prayer speaks more to how the type of relationship Jesus had with God than it does to the right techniques to pray. And if you understand this prayer, the way that Jesus models for us how we should relate to God and who God is, this hopefully will absolutely change your experience of prayer, your motivation to pray, a lot of different things, okay? So um, let me start by um, asking God for help. Uh, Dear Father, um, I pray that Through your words, through Jesus' words, you would teach us how to see you as you are, to relate to you as our loving Heavenly Father, um, that you would take away any pomp and circumstance. You would take away any ritual 
and we would be able to speak to you as you are um, and experience the blessing and joy of knowing you, knowing how you feel about us, um, even experiencing your joy in us speaking to you. Um, so I pray, Father, you would uh, speak clearly through your text and your word, um, and this would really help people to relate to you in the ways that you desire us to. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, uh, sorry, a little bit more intro recap. Um, we've been going through a series on discipleship, and so we've been asking the question, and I'm going to ask you the question, what is a disciple? Ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. Joshua, I'm pointing at you. <laughs> Someone who lives out the way that Jesus lives. That's really good. I, I want you guys to get a specific definition. Uh, a disciple is someone who commits to a master to learn from them so they can become like them. Okay, so there are a few elements there, but it's basically like you are a student, you are learning something that the master has that you don't have, and you have to commit, you have to learn, you want to become like them. And so, I mean, I see like there's some athletes in the front row here, like John Chi and Kevin, and, and you guys, uh, when you're learning how to do things, uh, you have to commit to someone's teaching about how to do MMA or how to do rowing. You have to commit to their teaching. You have to implement their practices and repeat them consistently. You take feedback. You try very carefully to notice the exact form that they use for the technique you're trying to do. And then over time, it becomes muscle memory. You internalize it, it becomes natural and habitual to the point where you become like the master. Your body changes as you train behind this master. They make you do all these terrible exercises that are so painful and difficult, but the end is you become more like them. And so a disciple is someone who commits to a master to learn from them so he can become like them. And we've said, it is impossible to do what Jesus commanded without submitting to his training regimen. So Jesus did not intend for us to simply accumulate knowledge about what he taught without putting it into practice. Instead, he wants disciples who learn from him, uh, and then they attempt imperfectly, because a disciple is a learner, which means you don't have it together, I don't have it together. We're seeking to learn, which means we make mistakes, but we're seeking to learn from him so we can do what he does and become like him. And so when Jesus loved his enemies, when Jesus prayed for the people who were crucifying him, uh, you might think to yourself, that is absolutely impossible for me to do. I cannot love someone who hurts me that badly. And you would be right. The only way you can get there is by following the training regimen that Jesus did and basically be shaped by the same practices. And the two practices we've been talking about are the practices of memorizing and internalizing and being strengthened by scripture. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And then last week, Dan talked about how Jesus prioritized prayer. He withdrew, he went to a desolate place or a wilderness, and then he prayed, okay? And so there are these two practices, memorizing, internalizing, being strengthened by scripture, and then prayer. Now, uh, prayer uh, is misunderstood and so if you're not careful, especially when we're teaching prayer in church, uh, you might think that prayer is kind of like brushing your teeth. It's the spiritual equivalent of brushing your teeth. It's kind of like good for you, and so you should just do it, and you should do it more frequently than not. 
Ideally, you do it at least once a day, and then you just kind of like check it off your list. But what's interesting is when you look at how Jesus talked about prayer, he actually said prayer is not like that. Prayer is not, and if, you, if you're interested in this, you can read from Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, one of the sections Jesus talks about prayer in chapter 6. And he says, beware of practicing your righteousness in order to be seen by other people. Don't think that when you pray, it is for the sake of other people you are praying to. So for example, when I'm praying in public up here, when I'm praying at Tammy's wedding or whatever it might be, there is a temptation to try to say good words, to try to be eloquent. And if I'm careful, if I'm not careful, I will be praying in order to impress you guys or make it sound like, oh, I'm so spiritual, like I know all these fancy words about God. Jesus says that is not at the heart of prayer. Jesus also says prayer is not twisting God's arm to get what you want. Prayer is not mechanical. Prayer is not gaining prayer points so you can redeem them for one answered prayer, okay? We think about it like that, where you have to pray hard enough, you have to pray long enough. Jesus says none of those things are the essence of prayer. Prayer is very simply talking to God, okay? It is so simple and it's so obvious, but we, like Anne was saying, we have all of these rituals surrounding prayer, and these rituals can get in the way of what prayer fundamentally is, talking to God. And so, um, let me give another concrete example. Prayer before meals. Uh, how many of your families pray before meals, typically? Maybe a few of you. So we, we typically do that. And uh, even, uh, honestly, I do this because Ashley initiated it and Ashley wanted to do it. And for a long time, I felt uncomfortable because I'm like, it's really hard for me not to just say like the same repeated words like, God, thank you for this food. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. And I'm not even thinking about God. I'm just doing the ritual. Uh, but as time has gone on and I've continued to do the ritual, um, what, and I've tried to like make my heart like not ritualistic, when I remember who God is, then the prayer actually becomes real. And it actually is talking to God about things that we're caring about in our life. And then one of the really cool things that's been happening is uh, we've been praying with Toby, our son, and Toby has been really, really into prayer. <laughs> so what it looks like is we all hold hands. Uh, I hold Toby's hand, and then we pray, and then we open our eyes, and then Toby, he's like looking at us, and he's like... <laughs> and then sometimes he says, pray again. And so then Ashley will pray again. And then he's like, dad, dad, do. And he's like, okay, I'll pray again. And then he was taking a bath before, and he's like, mama, pray in the bath. So, like, I don't know if he knows what's going on, but because of this thing we've been doing together, he actually wants to do it, even though I'm not sure he understands what it is. And so the, anyway, that was really, really cool. But what I want to suggest to you is prayer is actually a lot like that. Prayer is like a child learning how to speak. If you think about how prayer works, um, I used the example before where these practices of scripture and prayer are kind of like hearing God and then responding to him 
okay? So when you guys are saying prayer is one-sided, to some degree that's true, or it can feel true, but my, my kind of thesis is the way we primarily hear from God, though as you get to know him more, you can hear from him in other ways, is through scripture, and scripture is the way God teaches us how to speak to him. The same way that in order for a child to learn how to speak a language, what happens is they passively receive words from the parent and from the people around them or from TV or their iPad or whatever for a long time. They're just listening, 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 listening. And then over time, they start to express themselves. And so what I want to say to you again is, like when we try to pray, part of the reason prayer feels so difficult and uncomfortable, because that's many of our experiences, is because we're simply learning how to speak to God. But over time, as we come to know who God is and trust him more, as we hear from him, as we hear him speak to us through scripture, we have a clearer impression of who he is, and then we can respond in prayer, okay? Uh, anyway, all of those introductory thoughts. Uh, how did Jesus pray? Last week, Dan talked about how Jesus prayed for a long, for, uh, he was off by himself, he prayed for a long time. Hi, Jay. No. <laughs> Jesus prayed for a long time. Uh, and let's look at our passage. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So I want you to ask for a second, what prompted this disciple's question? There are a few things that possibly could have prompted the disciples' question. Maybe it's the things we were talking about earlier, where prayer is just super duper weird. Maybe it was the disciple having a personal struggle with prayer, where they're like, when I pray to God, it feels like I'm talking to no one, or I'm staring at the ceiling, I am shouting words off into the sky, and nothing comes back. Maybe it feels like that. But when they heard Jesus pray, this is what I think was happening. They overheard Jesus praying. And what's really interesting is, oh, here's some useless trivia. Um, what's really interesting is uh, there, there's a theologian named uh, Augustine, a really famous church father. And he noticed that the Bishop Ambrose, who was a, uh, basically his mentor, did a really weird thing where when he was reading the Bible, he didn't read it aloud. He read to himself. Now, I don't know if you think that's interesting, but the idea is it would have been a common practice to read and repeat the words aloud. Do you know what I mean? They didn't know how to read speed read or read silently. The most common convention was for them to read the words aloud. And in the same way, prayer probably would have been prim primarily spoken aloud, like saying real words rather than thinking in your head. And this is actually a really good practice if you want prayer to become, to feel more real to you, Go to a place where you're alone and then actually say the words aloud. Um, I talk to God in my garage with, like, I speak aloud to him. And it feels weird. I'm, sometimes I wonder, it's like, I wonder if the neighbors can hear me. <laughs> sometimes I practice my sermons in my garage. I'm like, I wonder if the neighbors can hear me. But th that's actually a really important, helpful practice uh, of prayer. So Jesus was praying to his disciples. And something about the way Jesus prayed struck this disciple. Something about the way that he prayed. He immediately realized the way he prayed was different than the way Jesus prayed. And, and so he came with this humble attitude where he's like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Jesus, you seem like you know how to pray. Now, what was it that 
struck him. Maybe it was the length of Jesus' prayers, like we've said before. What the heck do you talk, what do you, what do you pray for for an hour? What do you even do? Because normally when we pray, we're like, oh, I have a math test tomorrow. God, can you help me with my math test? And then prayer over, right? In Jesus' name, prayer over. What, what would you even talk about with God for an hour? Can you even imagine what that would look like? But Jesus cherished this time. For Jesus, this was like spending time with someone he loved because it's someone he loved. And so when you spend time with someone who's dear to you, time passes very quickly when you're in conversation with them. So maybe the length of Jesus' prayer surprised the disciple. was like, I don't, what, what are they talking about? Maybe it was like the beauty of Jesus' prayer where the words he expressed were so eloquent or whatever it might be. I don't think it was that because he teaches us how to pray and it's very simple. But I think the other thing that he would have noticed was the intimacy of Jesus' prayer where when Jesus talked to God, he had a familiarity and closeness with God that the disciple had not experienced. And so if you're longing for spiritual experience, um, if you're longing to experience intimacy in your relationship with God, um, if you want to be like Jesus, what I would say is learn how to hear from God through scripture and respond to him by prayer. And this is like the practice that um, I've tried imperfectly to do as much as possible. But let's get into the actual content of the prayer. This is Jesus' template for prayer. Um, Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father. And I'm going to stop right there. Just one word. You guys can, if, if there's one word I want you to memorize, it's Father, okay? On Wednesday, if I ask you what word did the sermon talk about, I hope you can say Father. Because this word all by itself is so incredibly radical. And honestly, I was thinking about just like, preaching on this word and then preaching on the rest of the prayer later on, like next week? Maybe I will. I don't know. I don't even know where we're going. Um, Father, Jesus addresses God and teaches his disciples to pray to God as a father. Now, we say father in our prayers. We say heavenly father. We say good father God or like dear heavenly father, whatever we say, all our little uh, phrases. This is totally radical because if you were a Jewish person during this time, Father was not the way you related to God. The Jewish people had many names for God, and many of them were extremely reverent. They saw God as their king. They saw God as majestic and powerful and holy, all of those things which he is. And even in this, in this prayer, later Jesus says, your kingdom come. So God is a king. God does rule. God has authority. But Jesus prays, and he says, what you really need to do each time you talk to God is remember that God is your Father. Now, if you understand this, this will deal with so many of your problems praying. If you relate to God as a good Father when you're talking to Him, all of the formality can go out the window. Because when you are talking to someone you love, you are totally comfortable with fumbling for your words. Do you know what I mean? When you're talking to someone you love, you're like, I'm not really sure how to express myself. And so you say like, uh, um, 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 I don't know, it's kind of like this. And then they ask you a question, try to draw out what you mean. And then eventually you get to a, an understanding. You don't feel super self-conscious that you're not sounding good enough when you're talking to someone you love. But some of us have this impression of prayer where prayer is to sound super spiritual in front of other people 
Or number two, the more spiritual or eloquent I sound, the more God will answer my prayers. The more longer I pray, if I pray harder, if I believe harder and pray harder, God will answer my prayers. It's mechanical and it's relating to God, not as a father. Because how does a father relate to his child? A good father, how does a good father relate to his child? Um, For me, uh, being a new father, I feel all kinds of feelings I never felt before. And I feel like I can understand God's perspective of us praying to him in a new way. Because whenever Toby says something to me, I am at least tickled. I think it's super duper cute, basically whenever he says anything. But there's often even deeper feelings where I'm so proud of him, I'm so flabbergasted that he's my son, and there is something that makes me so overjoyed, which is when he has a desire to come to me and share something with me. And so he has a toy, and he loves sharing his car toys with everyone. So he, he has a little toy, and he runs up to me, and he has this, like, car toy. Um, he has Dino Park Mater, which is, you, you know what Dino Park Mater is? So there's a show, Cars on the Road, which is a Pixar show. There's a few episodes, really well made. And anyway, there's a toy from that that he really loves. And so he comes up to me and he says, Dino Park Mater, or sometimes he says, Mater, Mater Dino Park, right? Um, and he wants to share with me what he is interested in and what he loves. And as a father, I'm overjoyed by that. I think it's so cute, it's so adorable, it's so special. And so this is, like, I don't know if you realize this, This is how God feels when we simply want to talk to him. Have you ever thought about this? This is how God feels. When we pray, so much of our prayers are focused on the second half of this prayer, which involves give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we forgive other people, lead us not into temptation, right? All of those things are focused around our needs our desires, and those are good things that God, as a good father, cares about. But if you follow Jesus' template, the first thing that you stop and meditate on is how much God relates to you as a father and loves you. And this, this is totally transformative. How can we be, relate to God as a father? He's so holy. He is perfect. Um, he is just. How can we relate to him when I'm so sinful or when I have the, all these struggles? Because we relate to him on the basis of what Jesus Christ did on the cross which means we come to him, and no matter what we've done during the week, no matter what we're struggling with right now, we are counted, we are adopted into God's family, which means we can pray completely confidently. We don't have to pray with any sort of formality. He loves to hear from us pray. Now, I hope you're starting to see how if you see God in this way, prayer completely changes. Prayer is not trying to get something from God and like trying to pry it out of his hand. He's like, if you pray long enough, then you can have this good thing, but you're not praying enough, you're not praying enough. Instead, if God is a father, what does that mean? It means a father delights in giving good things to his children. And a father loves giving gifts to his kid. Like we love, I love going to the store and looking at new cars from Cars on the Road to buy for Toby. That's like one of the best things, to give a gift to my kid. And so in the same way, do you see how if you recognize this truth about God, the way he feels about you is completely different than the way you might feel about yourself. And he is paying attention to you and concerned about you far more than you could ever dream of. 
far more. You know, another illustration of this. I'm just talking about Toby all the time, whatever. You, you guys like it. You know you like it. Okay, so there's a baby monitor, right? And when we put Toby to bed, he's like wiggling around in his crib. And Ashley and I just watch him wiggle around in his crib for 30 minutes or however long it takes before he goes to sleep. And we're just like, ah, oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. We watch videos of him in bed and like, oh, he did this cute thing today. Or, oh, do you remember when he did that? We are so concerned about him all the time when he has absolutely no awareness that we're watching him or that we're thinking about him. All the time. In the backyard, we're together. He's just running around. He has no idea that I'm, I mean, not always, sometimes I'm not watching him, but I'm paying very careful attention to what he's doing or I'm really interested in what he wants to do. This is God as our father. And so, do you see what I'm saying here? If you see God as your father, it transforms all of, it takes away all of your baggage when it comes to prayer. If God is a good father, if you can trust him, then prayer is transformed. The other thing I would say is uh, when we pray to God, uh, Jesus begins with a God-centric view. What I mean by that is this is actually, this is honestly for our good. When God does this, He's doing it because he knows what actually helps us. Um, when you look at the next two petitions in the prayer, after we address God as Father and remember how much he loves us and remember that we can come to him by grace, that he's so excited to hear from us. We could talk to him about anything and he would be overjoyed. He's just so happy that we would want to spend time with him. After we get past Father, Jesus begins to pray. What does he pray for? Number one, hallowed be your name. This is church jargon or Christianese that is very inscrutable. And I think for most people, if there is one petition of the Lord's Prayer that they understood the least, it would be this one. Hallowed be your name. Does anyone know what that means? <laughs> yeah, sure, what do you think? Your name is sacred. Your name is sacred. Yeah, so that's really good. Um, what I think hallowed be your name means, another way of translating it is let your name be kept holy. Let your name be kept holy is as a child of God, as someone who loves and admires my father, I really want for everyone to know him and see him as he is, okay? So this is a concern for God's reputation or honor in the world. Um, this is both talking about me, where I want to know God as he is. It's very possible to misunderstand who a person is, right? I have an impression of Jeremiah that he's a certain way, but I could be completely mistaken. And so this is one of the things that really, really motivates me to preach and to do different things, like to hang out with the youth group. And people don't see God as he really is. You guys see God as harsh or judgmental, um, but at his core, God is so loving and he demonstrated his love through the cross and he wants to adopt you into his family. And these are all things that are true about God, but you guys and me, I can't feel it. I can't believe it. I can't trust him. And so scripture, teaching, youth group, demonstrating love to people, this is all a way to honor God's reputation and say, you might think God is like this. Let me try to convince you that God is different than you imagine. God is far more patient with you than you are with yourself. God is far more gracious with you than you are with yourself. 
God cares so much about you, the same way that I care so much about Toby. God is thinking so much about you. There's a passage that, like, this is an Instagram verse in uh, Zephaniah where it's like, God delights over you with singing. When God thinks about you, he sings, he breaks into song because he gets so much joy from simply thinking about you. And he sings songs to you when you're sleeping. That is how God sees you. And this is why Jesus prays this way. Before we bring God our needs, what we really need is to realize what God is like. And then this is a desire for people to come to know God as he is. God is not a strict judge. God is not a harsh teacher. God is a loving father who wants to adopt people into his family. There are problems. God is holy. God is just. We can't come to him lightly. God is a consuming fire. These are all names of God that we see. But through Jesus, we see that God is gracious and loving and made a way for us to come to him and relate to him as a father. We have no problems anymore because of what Jesus did coming into the presence of God just purely as ourselves. We don't have to fix our lives. We don't have to change anything. We can come to God just as we are, super messed up, super broken, super guilty, feeling ashamed, and know that he loves us before we do anything to deserve it. Hallowed be your name. Is your view of God like that? When you pray to God, do you pray to him like that? Or do you typically just say, oh, I know I'm supposed to pray, so therefore I pray. Let's keep going. So we admire God. We admire his name. We want his name to be lifted up and people to come to know him as he is. We also want his kingdom to come. So there is a concern for his reputation. There's a concern for his rule. And this is where God is a king. And saying your kingdom come is simply praying that God's rule would spread everywhere, right? Now, depending on what type of king God is, you may or may not want his rule to spread everywhere. And this is where, if you don't see who God is rightly, when you pray, you will pray a certain way. Hi, Josh. Good to see you. Um, nice uh, black pink sweater. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 uh, what move do black pink do to, like, signify their... They do a bow? Oh, they, oh, they do this? Do they do this? Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, where was I? So uh, God, we pray to God as a father, and then what do we pray for? We begin by fixing our attention on God and thinking about his reputation. And so evangelism comes out of this where I say, I really want my youth group to know who God is as he is, not as they think he is. I really want my family members to come to know God. I have a desire and, in a sense, you could say jealousy for God's reputation and for people to see him as he is. I feel like I know who God is. I want everyone to see him the same way I see him. He is a loving father. Your kingdom come. You believe that God is a good king. You believe that his rule will actually lead to humanity thriving and his way of living will lead to the world being a better place than it is when people turn away from God and do what they want. That's what you're praying for when you say, your kingdom come, and you're also saying, God, I want to be a part of this, where if you would have me do something to show love to someone who's hurting today, let me do that. Another definition of prayer that Dallas Willard says 
is prayer is talking with God about what we're going to do together today. Talking with God about what we are going to do together today. You get me? So this is a daily prayer where you can say every day, God, what, what do you want me to do? How can I further your kingdom? How can I, lift, how can I praise you? How can I try to convince someone that you are different than they might think they are? Let me do it through loving them. Let me do it through being gentle with them, gracious, whatever it might be. Now, after, this is so important, and this is why I wanted to do two-part sermon to some degree. Um, many of our problems with prayer not working are because we don't orient our prayers enough on God, okay? Uh, there are many people who I've talked to who have said, I'm really anxious about something I have coming up, and I pray, but nothing happens. I still feel just as anxious, sometimes even more anxious, about the thing I'm praying for. And, and honestly, here's my answer for you. There is uh, my, my favorite preacher, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's always that one. My favorite preacher, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, said this in a very British kind of <laughs> funny, harsh way. He said, sometimes people need to stop praying and think. You hear me? Sometimes people need to stop praying and think. If you're praying that God would give you the thing that you want, and you don't trust or think through the implications of who God is for your life, then you won't feel freedom from anxiety. And so uh, other pastors put it this way, underneath anxiety is a, desire, is a sense of pride and a desire for control, where you're saying, if this thing doesn't happen, then my life is over, or if God doesn't give me this one thing, then he's a bad God. A desire for control, a desire, uh, an, an illusion that you know what's best for you in your life. And so um, I really think that his advice to consider who God is and to consider the difference between you and God, the difference in intelligence, the difference in perspective, whatever it might be, is actually really helpful. Where you can think to yourself, okay, God is my dad, he loves me so much, and sometimes he does things that I don't understand, but I can know that they're for my good. Let me use the Toby illustration again. Um, Toby has no clue what's good for him a lot of the times. He runs out into the street. I have to pull him back. He eats dirt and rocks. He throws random trash into his mouth. If, if I'm walking on the street, he gets really interested in random pieces of trash that look different from the street. So it's like, oh, look, it's a cigarette butt. Let me grab that. And, no, like, I, I, he hasn't done that yet, but every time I p pass by a cigarette butt, I'm really scared. He doesn't know what's good for him. And so I have to stop him from doing something that's harmful to him. Does that change my love for him? No, it's actually what I will do. I will oppose his will as a 19-month-old because I have a different perspective on what's good for him that is right. And God is the God who created the universe. God is the person who made you and knows you and loves you. And so uh, this is, in a sense, one of the answers to unanswered prayers where you can just say, when God uh, does not answer you the way you might want, uh, the answer is not to say, I, like, as a pastor, I can't explain to you why that is. I really can't. If, if there's something you deeply desire that God is not answering, I don't know why he's not giving that to you. But I do know that he is a father who loves you. And so all I can say is, will you trust him or will you not? Do you know what I mean? 
Will you trust him even though he's not giving you this thing that you might want and desire? And um, the way, yeah, so anyway, that's, that's one answer. Um, the, God is a good father. Um, let's see, how are we doing? Let's go briefly into the next petitions. He says, give us each day our daily bread. And this is a prayer that God would provide for us. So we pray to God as a father. We pray for his reputation, for his kingdom. And then we move into what, we, what, what our needs are and what we need. And the attitude and posture behind all of these petitions is one of deep dependence. Every single petition here is saying that, is recognizing God as being the one who provides for me. Give us each day our daily bread. This is saying, I am so fragile and human that I can't determine whether I live another day on this world. I can't. But God, you can do that. And therefore, please, as a loving father, provide for me the things I need to get through, to, through today. Number two, forgive us our sins. Every single day, I need forgiveness for, from God. Every single day, um, I do something that is hurtful to someone else, that is against God's will, against God's kingdom. Um, I don't honor God and give glory to him in the way I should. I don't image him in the way I should. I need forgiveness. And the third one is lead us not into temptation, which is basically saying I am so fragile and weak that apart from your protection, um, I would just like, I would just lose it. I would just lose my faith. I would just go off the deep end. Apart from your provision and protection, don't lead me into that trial, that difficult situation, because I, don't, I couldn't handle it without you. Do you see how this is such an attitude of dependence on God as a father? And do you see how each one of these things is Jesus saying, you can pray to God about these things. God cares about your daily needs. God wants to forgive you. He's so gracious. When you pray this, as a father, you can be so confident that he will answer affirmatively. God will give you what you need. God will forgive you. God will protect you. He's doing it all the time, even when you don't realize it. The same way that I am paying attention to Toby when he doesn't realize it at all. But breakthroughs in prayer happen when you see God as a father and you remember this every day and you try to relate to him in a way that's different than the way you might have been raised. We have hurts, we have baggage, we have distrust of God. Those, those things are totally okay. But if you can try, if you can try to say to God, if you say that you're my father, can you demonstrate your love to me in a way that can reassure me? and convince me. And so this is one of my favorite illustrations. Um, now that I'm a dad, I, it hits me even more. There is an old pastor who told a story about a father and son who were walking by each other in a park. Now, they were walking by with each other, holding hands. Has the father's love for his son changed? Uh, does the father love his son when they're just holding hands and it's like a very normal walk in the park? Absolutely. But then the father grabs his son and throws him into the air and smiles and laughs and says, I love you. The father still loves the child, but the father is expressing and reassuring the child and making the child experience how much they are loved. And so if you distrust God, what I would say to you is take an opportunity to pray to him as your father where as a father, God not only cares that you know he loves you, God cares that you experience and are reassured that he loves you so much. And so this is a prayer I've prayed many times. When I feel like God's not there, 
When I feel like I'm praying to like, you know, praying to the sky, there's no one answering. I simply say, God, I miss you. Can you help me experience and remind me of your love and affection for me? And can you help me feel it? Um, and so uh, there's like small things that happen, which if you disbelieve in God, that like that's totally fine. But this is the way I understand God answering prayers in small and big ways. Like there's a thing that happened recently where Ashley was working on a project at work and she had spent like a whole day doing a ton of work on a Friday afternoon. Um, and it was about time for her to stop working. And then something happened and she thought she lost eight hours of work. So it's like you're writing a paper, a term paper, and you feel like you lost it all. And she's like, now I'm gonna have to go into the weekend and redo eight hours worth of work. And she was devastated. And she came to me, she was crying a little bit, and she's like, <laughs> um, she's crying a little bit. And, and she's like, I can't believe this just happened. So I'm like comforting her. And I'm like, maybe we could pray for this. And then she kind of looked at me, she's like, that would never work. Um, did you, were you thinking that? A little bit? <laughs> That's fine. So I prayed that she would recover the file. And two minutes later, a few minutes later, she realized that it was saved somewhere and it was recovered and we were overjoyed. And what, the way I interpret that is I prayed to my father and I'm like, God, you don't have to do this, but I would really appreciate it. We would really appreciate it if you showed us this small kindness and reassured us and recovered her file. And then I believe he did it. You can explain that in whatever way you want. I'm not proving to anyone that God is real. I'm just saying this is my experience of personal interaction with him where as I bring my requests, my needs before him, he responds. He doesn't always say yes immediately like that, but he does, he does, and it reassures me and it makes me feel God's love for me. And that gets me through, that helps me trust him even when I don't want to understand what he's doing, that's how I get through. Um, so finally, um, I want you to see how to pray this prayer. Um, Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, gave this advice to his barber, um, who was an uneducated man, on how to pray. He basically said, pray the Lord's Prayer in your own words as much as you can. So when you look at these different petitions of the Lord's Prayer, he's saying, you have to know what's there. You have to know that God is your Father. You know that you're praying for his reputation. You're praying for his kingdom, praying for his provision. You have to know what's there, but then personalize it where you bring to God what you feel, like what you, you, you converse with him. You, you use it as a template where you say, God, you're my father. Help me to remember that you love me so much. Help me to experience your pleasure in me as I come pray to you. Help me remember that you are in control, that you love me. Um, hallowed be your name. God, I pray that people who don't know you would come to know you. I pray that I would see you as you are. Your kingdom come. Uh, and then, I, like, when I'm doing this, I pray for specific people who I, I feel like God puts on my heart, that they would come to know Jesus, or that they would be able to trust God a little bit more. And then, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like, uh, give us this day our daily bread. When you say that, pray for your math t test, your math homework. Pray for whatever you need. Pray for every need you have. And as you do that, as you bring that to your loving Heavenly Father, um, He carries your burdens he loves you and he cares for you and he will lighten your burdens. So I'm gonna end with an illustration from Amber's testimony, 
what you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. So Amber prayed something, or Amber shared something with us about her prayer that I think perfectly illustrates my whole point here. She said, when I talk to my friends, um, I send them 10 minute long voice messages when I'm going through tough stuff, where I vent my feelings and this is how I'm going through. Is that correct? Yeah, and then you said, when I do this, it feels better a little bit, but the emotions are still there. I think you said something like that. And then you said, when I talk to God about the struggles I'm going through, I feel like the emotions are lifted. I experience freedom and a sense of weight, like my burdens are less weighty because my perspective is oriented around God all of a sudden, and I'm able to trust him with what's going on. So I think that's the perfect illustration of what authentic prayer is like, where you simply come to him, you vent to him. You would be surprised uh, and shocked at how angry people can pray to God in the Bible. You can say whatever you want to God. You can be so confident. You don't have to dress yourself up. Be absolutely authentic about how you're angry, disappointed, whatever it might be. Because that's what God wants. God doesn't want you to sugarcoat things. God wants you to... God wants you to relate to him authentically. Pray to him like that. And then as you get to know him, uh, you'll experience a lightening of your burdens. And I I really feel like that's true. So memorize the prayer, internalize it, try to understand what the petitions mean. And then whenever you remember it during the day, just pray. So what what it looks like for me is I say, I, I memorized the Matthew version of this prayer, you know, like, and I went to a Catholic school, so we would, like, say it every day a million times. Uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, given this day, our daily bread, and forgive us. Yeah, I, so I pray the prayer, and then I stop, and I think through each petition, and I say, okay, God, what do you want me to know about you being my Father? Um, and then you go through it, and you say, what are my needs today? How can I pray for your kingdom to come? And when you do this consistently over a long period of time, this will both help remind you who God is, it'll shape your desires, it will orient you towards God's plan and work in the world. Um, And then, honestly, the other thing I would say is, um, don't feel like you have to get through the whole prayer. If God stops you, in a sense, and gets your intention about something, then just sit there. So every once in a while, when I do this, I feel like God gives me a deep sense of his love for me, and I just stop praying, and I sit there with him. And I feel like he showers me with love and pours out love to me. And I don't know how to explain that. Like, I don't know if everyone has had that experience, but I think that many Christians, if not all, would express that at different times they have felt that. And this is how Jesus prays for hours. This is why Jesus goes to God. It's not because he is checking out of checklists. It's because he wants to spend time with his father. He wants his father to encourage him and delight in him. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, I thank you, you are our Heavenly Father who love us. Um, I pray that you would reveal yourself as you truly are, that we would be able to pray to you and experience your delight in us, that we would come to you by grace, not by anything um, in ourselves, and that you would lighten our burdens, you would provide for us and protect us in the ways we desperately need. I pray you would humble us before you, that we would trust you deeply and reassure us of your love and care. Um, in whatever we're going through, Lord. Um, We really love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.